Hi, this is Melissa, and it's the 20th of November, 2022, and this is Redux number 86, and I have picked a Redux from February 14, 2021, and it was over four hours long, but I've selected approximately an hour out of that. Um, It's always hard to edit Alan or find the excerpts, although our friend in Canada is doing a great job picking clips for the clip series, but it isn't easy to say, okay, out of four hours, what's the hour? And sometimes Alan would say to me, oh, I forgot to record, I forgot to say something about donating and ordering, so I recorded this little bit and you can just plug it in somewhere. And I would laugh or groan because to find a place to insert something when Alan is talking is just uh, such a difficult thing. So this little simple plug this in anywhere might take me half an hour to find the right spot. And I'd say, look, you can talk without a break for seemingly forever. I mean, just there's no place to naturally insert please order and donate. (laughs) But um, and that also amazed me, too, because he could keep going with a train of thought. And sometimes when I was listening to it and editing, I would think, oh, he's he's lost the point. He's started to talk about something, and now he's been talking for 20 minutes about other things, and he hasn't gotten back to make his point or complete the thought. But he never did that. He always completed the thought. And it just amazed me that someone could speak for 20 minutes but remember exactly what it was that they were thinking about and the point that they wanted to make. So I chose this hour because we are in a clip series on Wednesday doing the excerpts, and the theme of that is purpose-made people. And it's a broad area because purpose-made people can be how we are heavily brainwashed and indoctrinated, a kind of mind control. It can be eugenics, brain shipping. Um, It can be gene modification. All kinds of things will fit in that category. But it is interesting because obviously we are mRNA vaccines, etc. We are definitely in the purpose-made people going into transhumanism phase of this agenda. The whole talk from February 14, 2021 is excellent, but I selected the hour that I did because I wanted to get that part in there where he was talking about drugging us, particularly drugging people in the military, antidepressant use, how things are trialed on military personnel, that kind of thing. And what was interesting, too, though, in this hour that I selected is he's talking about this age-old eugenical idea that poverty is a sign of mental illness. So it's one of those things where you break the legs of the cow and then kick it because it can't get up. Because clearly this system is not designed for we little people to get ahead But the fact that we don't get ahead, that we don't amass great quantities of wealth means that we're, you know, we validate their point. There's something wrong with us. So I hope that you enjoy the Redux. And I'm also 
going to read the poem. Some people say that they listened to the talks that Alan put out on their MP3 player and they didn't go into the website and read some of the accompanying things and they, you know, enjoyed hearing the poem perhaps for the first time. So this is his poem. Now, that was another thing. I'll just mention that. But it, that's another thing that blew me away was he would do his talk. Even when he was on RBN radio, he would do the talk. And then he would sit down afterwards and write his poem that went with it. And I swear that took him 15 or 20 minutes, sometimes 10 minutes. It was never a lengthy process. He just sat and thought about what he had just said and wrote. So here is his poem. Routine coincidence for non-essentials. Little by little, that's how we humans adapt. We, the domesticated, faithful to masters, four times per century, stumble into a trap. Routine coincidence seems to bring disasters. Wars thin the herd, and debt brings austerity, leading to malnutrition and infant mortality. We plead for aid with righteous temerity, to be told non-essentials are the casualty. Yes, we, the domesticated, must suffer abuse. It is our birthright, so say the masters. Wars, crashes, pestilence, now COVID excuse. Yes, routine coincidence brings more disasters. So here it is, Alan. Enjoy. An elite class, see, they did class. Poverty is a mental illness. Yeah. Otherwise, you see, if you were not mentally ill, you wouldn't be in a lower class. Uh, you, in other words, even a lower IQ meant you were mentally ill. There wasn't a difference of IQ, as an example. And it wasn't a difference of being born into the right psychopathic families. No, they didn't mention that part of it, you see. They could be born in the right family. You had a start in life no matter what your IQ was, even if it was rather low, which a lot of it was, by the way. <laughs> but, they, but they were psychopathic types, and that's, that was a success factor. Now they had access to pulling the right ropes and strings, then you could survive as a good psychopath, regardless of what your intellect was. But uh, yeah, if you were on the streets, you, you were looked down upon. They still use the techniques today, by the way. To make you look down upon the unemployed, you know, in an age where unemployment uh, is part of economics. Margaret Thatcher said we need a goodly amount of people to be unemployed to keep the wages down for those who are employed, you see. They could say, well, what, it's not paying much, are you? Well, if, if you don't want the job, there's plenty that will take it. You see, that's, that's why you keep a big pool for the unemployed. What I'm talking about here is a harsh reality. Why dress it up, you see? And here's another thing too. They depend upon class systems to keep the system going. And those in the, the lower middle classes, you see, that, that might only be a few months away if, if they've ever lost their jobs from the streets themselves. Because you can go down very quickly in this day and age. But, but they'll look down too upon the homeless and so on and and maybe they are just, and that's the impression, they're all mentally ill. No, they're not all mentally ill. 
But what you do have is, is part of this long war. Is this is a multifaceted, deliberate war with drugs everywhere. Look at the streets. I've, I put up before the Oxiana movie, a documentary was done. I put the one up before, another one up is Diane Sawyer, I think it was. Where she goes into her old family haunts at one time and the, and the drug problems there and unemployment. Deliberately kept that way, by the way. Then you saw Seattle. That documents Seattle's dying. That was before COVID came along. And the drug problems is, is astronomical. The tent cities is, and the, 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 the trailer and car, cars that flooded into the warmer climates because they're living in their cars, lots of people now. But, but again, the ones who can still scrape by it or look down on them. They don't realize you're, you're, not, you're not far from that yourselves. But they count upon your attitude to condemn people, they end up like that. This is a, a deliberate war, folks. Deliberate. And the, whereas the old system, I gave the talks before all that happened, what was going to happen, because I've read all their books, and they love to publish their books and, and tell you where it's all going to go. A service economy always brings you to the stage. Like a dog, a dog paddling in a swimming pool, falls into the pool, it paddles and a service economy, what it does, it gives all your right, all your manufacturing to another nation. We did all that. We paid for all to move to China through your lovely politicians signing all the documentations and so on. And then you import all the stuff that's cheap and you have all these middlemen and that's where the money comes from to the middlemen and then to the stores or outlets. And then to the customers, you see. And that's a completely service economy. You're serviced in many ways in one. I often like to think of the farmer's term for it. And you don't realize you've given away your ability to even be self-sufficient. And most folk who, who, who profit off as a middleman for a while think, well, this is, this is pretty good. I can get all this cheap stuff in at low cost and sell it at a high cost. And until eventually there's a glut in the market or... They've now decided it's the end of the service economy because, you see, they want to bring down consumerism, post-consumerist society. So what's left then? Well, there's nothing left. You can't even make the basic things that you need to survive, like knives and forks for your cutlery, for your table. It's all done abroad. But the basic stuff you need is all made outside pretty almost all, all actually imported eh? so like the dog in the swimming pool you have a great old time while well, the dog's healthy and it's feeling it's having a, and it hasn't realised it's peril yeah. and it hasn't been around the whole edges of the pool you realise there's no steps to get out of here and eventually you tire and you drown you just drown that's what the, that's what the puppy does the dog does and what I'm talking about here was discussed fully in the British papers in the 1970s, when they discussed this trading agreement with Europe, that's what they called it, trading agreements at the time, you know, as they lied to the public, it was always designed to be an integration of, of nation-states into a super-parliamentary system. I've got the books from the 30s from the organizations that worked on it. Back then, in the 1930s. And they lied to their publics for years and years and had them through another world war 
And then they lied again and kept lying as they brought them into a parliamentary system that was to be non-democratic. And all the top corporate leaders in the world that owns everything were involved in setting up. And they put in the front people called the commissioners at the top who are unelected and secretive, by the way. You don't know who a lot of them are. And these CEOs, uh, these top uh, owners, I should say, of, of corporations, place them there. That's how it's run. Yeah. And in the books 1930s, as I say, they, they, they talked about what happens to American Indians and other cultures that were decimated and taken over by superior cultures, as they call them, superior cultures, you see. And how, as I say, they, they self-destruct. And when you read about the plans for a post, for a pre, before World War II started, by the dominant groups that run the world and run the British Empire at their world meetings, the 1930s, they talked about this. They said, you know, we'll have to bring a different system in because they don't want opposition at home to bring in a world governmental system and the, the end of the sovereign state, the national state. Well, that's when they talked about the need to, to basically destroy the family unit. So most of the war would be initially on the males, you see, who would end up at the Darwinian stage of just like you when you conquer a nation and do... Some of the males have lost their, their, their reason for being. And they, they eventually lose all respect from, from others. That's intentional, you see, under that kind of war. And Britain used that again, that type of system against other nations that it conquered deliberately. Huh? And in fact, we're using, we've used it across the Middle East, under the, the, the different countries, the Islamic countries. Huh? Until the men start to self-destruct. They lose their belief in their culture which often has a religion, a deity. They lose their belief in that deity who would let this happen to them, sort of thing. Then they start to turn on themselves. Uh, and again, the Native, Native Americans did the same thing. No matter what you think of their, their system, or you'll call it all kinds of nasty things, like primitive, well, what's superior about yours? Eh? But every male would have his connection to his deity. You see, that was important in tribal cultures. Once that's destroyed, there's nothing. You've lost your purpose. You can't even think yourself as a real man anymore. Because even the women will be looking for the conquerors to wed. <laughs> you see? Who have confidence and money and, and they swagger around. Whereas your own guys are dejected and turning towards themselves, self-destructing. Because there's one thing, purpose has been destroyed. That's how we just really destroy nations. Now, the elite talked about this in the 1930s in their empire meetings. And they, they said, oh, yes, it's such a terrible thing when conquered peoples are destroyed like that, you know. And we hope to not make it as bad when we bring in this world governmental system. But they knew they were going to destroy uh, Don't forget for their own families to keep them going, the wild men, as Darwin called them, Charles Gordon Darwin, who were steering the ship, doing the planning and all that, uninhibited by moral convictions and, and the loyalties to nations. They were completely uninhibited, you see, to do what they had to do. But the rest of the public, the war was on them. Because they see themselves, like, like Bertrand Russell said, like a different species. That's the truth of the world. That is the truth. 
And the, the class system is just, to me, is extraordinary in all nations. How it's, well, it's probably the same in all nations. It's rather self-evident. And in, in even the U.S., we try to disguise a little bit with, uh, it's not such an obvious difference in accent, even though uh, there's, there's still a university accent. Lots of them will copy this, this almost a, a higher nasal pitch to it or something. To be different, you see, but um, but there's still a, there's definitely a class system. Of course, there was George Bush Jr. was more honest. He wasn't the brightest either, but he was honest. And sometimes when he said that, and his aides mentioned this in their books afterwards, he said that he, he sat amongst them and he says, "Does anybody know any any poor people?" He says, I, "I've never met any poor." And he literally said that, "I've never met any poor people." See, they don't meet and you meet you. He says, "Does anybody? Can you find me what they're thinking?" About the system in America. But at least he was honest. Most of them would never have mentioned that, you see. All their speeches to the poor people are written by very wealthy, uh, writer, professional writers and scriptwriters. They feel your pain, you know. But that's the reality of the world. Uh, the classes are something else and, and that's what the elite depend upon, that, that, that each class will persecute the bunch beneath them. That's, they really count on that when times get tough. Quite something. So self-destruction, once cultural domination by another group has been put upon them, uh, it always happens. Mainly towards the men, and it's encouraged. And, and it's nowhere more self, as evident as in the American education system today, where they teach you not just about what ethnic group is responsible to be hated about everything, but also the, what gender mainly. You know? And that, that's taught by taxpayers' money. Eh? So they, they get churned out hating the males. Quite sudden, isn't it? And you think somehow that's all quite normal. That's, this is warfare. This is literal warfare upon you. Hmm? And that's also uh, was taught for, for in preparation for genocides in the past and maybe the future. You always name your enemy, blame them for, for all the world's problems and all your problems, demonize them, put them into this third-rate status in, in a nation or, or a, a, you know, even in an empire. Third-rate status, you see, till they're nobodies. Ridicule them, lambast them, uh, teach the public to hate them. Uh, all on preparation for what? Generally, they're annihilation, folks. And I, I don't wish for things. There's no point in wishing for things. But uh, it would be nice if folks had to realize what's going on. It would be nice, wouldn't it? But I don't put up much hope for that because... The massive psychological indoctrination system is, is pretty well perfected. It was perfected when Bertrand Russell wrote his books in the 1940s and 50s and onwards. He said that, you know. They went, when they didn't get the children young enough, he said it doesn't matter. And he believed, like, like the World Revolutionary Group that he also belonged to, which also included lots of aristocracy, big chunks of it actually, he really believed initially they'd have to remove, and he said that, but we used to think we'd have to remove the children from her, their parents at birth and raise the children communally 
so they wouldn't be contaminated with the parents' ideas. He says, but now, with scientific methods which have been proven in schools, in Britain he's talking about, he says, we can indoctrinate the children, and the parents can be, still be responsible for raising the children financially. That would be their job, is to f- financially support the children, put them, feed them, clothe them, and put them through school. And he said, because with, with scientific indoctrination at school, the children won't be able to be contaminated by their, they'll, they'll ignore their parents. Well, look how successful that's been, eh? And folks still think, you know, that they've got rights and freedoms and that their voice counts when your own governments for years and years have taken your tax money to brainwash the generations of children not to listen to their parents. And that's what Russell said. He says the state will then be responsible for the indoctrination of the children and what they'll think and believe, not the parents. All you are is, is to support them financially. That's your job. Now, that was always part of the reason that people had children, was to pass on your values to the children. That was taken away from you. Most people don't even realize it. And, and even their, their comedies, they're also part of the indoctrination process, uh, was mainly through comedies and so on. The family, or they show you dysfunctional families and drama. TV stories and, but comedies is a good way of doing it. And the, the dads are relevant pretty well, always a comic figure in, the, in this, these, these dramas, these, 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 these comedy dramas. The mums makes all decisions, she's the bright one. And the children even laugh and put down the dad as an idiot, you see. The guy who's financially supporting them. And you're taught to even laugh at them. That's, this is how it's done, eh? I've always said, you see, your entertainment is completely weaponized, and it has been weaponized since, oh, for the real psychological purposes that's been weaponized for today, has been at least since before World War II, and stepping up big time after it. And the sad thing is, too, that just as slickly as Scotland is an example, other countries, too, under the British Empire, but Scotland, India as well, Eventually started churning out young guys for the military, getting, giving them about pride, self-confidence, and, and pride they never had anywhere else in society, you know, putting a uniform on, going and kill people. And that became the normal in these, when you're taken over like that. Very slickly, it's done very slickly, isn't it? Until after one generation, folk think it's all quite natural, you know. To fight for a nation or a system or an empire that conquered you, and maybe even decimated your forefathers, you know, who fought against them. Very slick. And it's interesting to watch the same thing of, that's happened in the U.S., exactly the same thing, from the same, a lot of the same stock, actually, was, was soaked up by America. They came from Britain, from England and Scotland and Wales and Ireland. And you can see it, too, for the ones that Hollywood hates <laughs> through their movies all the time. In the South, you know, with the same stock that eventually were deported from, from Scotland and places like that. And they became, again, the, the, they did fill the uniforms up, they'd supply the bodies to fill the uniforms. And as I've mentioned it so many times, they've been used and used and used over and over and over. And now you see, now that they're openly from the governmental talking heads, now that your job's almost done, you see. 
to bringing in this world empire to just be taken over by another nation. And they will police the world, so to speak, eh? I said, they'd have to destroy you. Well, you're, you're, you're hearing it from the mouths of those in Congress now, eh? As they target, they're, they're quite open to who they're targeting. The same folks are getting, getting ready to get sent off for the last few wars to fight. Because they'll definitely turn on you big time once it's over and done. Not, I'm telling you the truth, folks. I hope you're understanding what I'm saying and, and you realize it. Because it's the one group that the globalists hate and fear the most. It's the ones they've been using to, to conquer the world. <laughs> and now uh, they're planning to take it down as soon as they've finished off the last few countries on their list, you know, that I've mentioned before. Nothing's really hidden, you know, anymore if you can have got eyes to see. And that's what empires do. And that's why the tricks of empires are being used too, because they understand how to play it, how to play that game, you see. And it's a pity that, that nations allow themselves to be used like that. But again, I don't blame them because your indoctrination is so incredibly effective. All the time, for, for, for year by year, as folk are born, their indoctrination starts as soon as they start to understand anything at all, even in children's stories. And, and the, the, the stuff's embedded in the stories. It's embedded in cartoons. It's embedded through the schooling completely. You must use and abuse, use and abuse, over and over again, for the same dominant minority that never get their hands dirty. And who do soak up the profits from all the conquests as they tell the rest of the public that we're bringing civilization and let's talk about the good things we've done for these nations. Well, wait a minute here. Who's judging your right to go into any nation for any reason? Huh? If they're not invading you, why are you doing it? Well, it's obviously for, it's for the resources. Huh? I remember putting up that documentary years ago a few years back anyway, it's an old one, on diamonds. And this is, uh, it's, it's got interesting to see the, the families that took over um, the, the, the diamond and gold mines of South Africa. Under the guise again of, of you know, expanding the British Empire using the, the, the Milner Group and Curtis and, and these characters, and the compacts with De Beers, you know, diamonds and gold and all that. But you, in the documentary, you see them, literally, they got on the surface of some of these places, going along their hands and their belly, crawling, feeling for the diamonds in the dirt. No kidding you. There's nothing uplifting about the diamonds, folks. Either getting them or digging them or finding them on the surface. There's nothing... It's all humiliating, as far as I can see, you know. The greed for certain things. And this is what they call wealth and power, which is wealth, is power over others, you see. Isn't that rather sad? Hmm? Same with gold and so on. And silver and all the other stuff that says value. Hmm? And always, always, those with the cash become aware, once they elevate up into the higher clubs, that, yeah, they're now powerful people, not just rich, but powerful. 
they can change societies by ordering it to get changed. And lesser minions rush in to do it all for them. You know, the expert class. Eh? <laughs> and yet, even as your countries are going, going down and the war's been declared upon you, there's still people in the lower, say, middle classes and in upper working classes <laughs> who really believe that the enemies that they're fighting, or at least they're trying to fight to keep their system that they're living in, which has some good points left, maybe, as long as you have opponents, you see. And and so they really were dedicated to fight against, say, communism. They really believed in it. Who wanted that, you see? And as soon as your the communism is gone, then your own countries drop the can on you because they don't need you anymore either. And they don't have to keep up the pretense of, of fighting the bad guys and giving you a few extras, not quite freebies, but extra cash in your pockets, as long as you fought them. Once, once it's over, they plunder you as well. They don't need you. But there's a lot of folk dedicated to fighting communism who did believe in the, the old mythologies of their nations and the decency of the people, no doubt about that, there's decent people in all nations. But it's so sad that those who really rule you above you uh, will, will sell you out so fast. And they did. They sold out. People who'd fought against uh, evil their entire lives, what they saw as evil, right? they completely sold them out. Really astonishing. Until Canada, for as an example, too. Canada's awfully communistic, as you might notice. But eh? Trudeau even admits he loves China and it's not encumbered with this idea of catering to people's rights and so on. You know? And once they admit that you're communist, you see, you don't really have individual rights. You're just part, you're a cog in the wheel, you know, for the greater good, etc. And a cog in the machine, as I say. Folks don't realize that under communism, you were all expendable because you truly were just independent parts that all fitted together as a big machine for the machine, not for you, you see. And again, it was so intensely studied, communism, by the West, who set it up, as we all know, we funded it. Uh, most of the revolutionaries were all trained inside America and were sent over there. Another story altogether, but... But you, you, it's a pity people just can't wake up and realize what they're living in. Even when you're benefiting for a little while from it, like a good paycheck, or you do join the military, it's a pity you don't see where it's supposed to go. And why are you going off with a paycheck to fight some other, other people in another country who've done you no harm while your own country is falling apart behind you? By design. Who's using you? And if you accept the paycheck and you don't think about these things and you have to accept that you're now a mercenary, that's what you are. You know? Before people had to go off to war, at least if they weren't mercenaries, with some kind of reason to justify their conscience and to bolster their conscience. You were doing it for some, what you thought, a perceived good, whether it was fictitious or not, doesn't matter, you know. The propaganda generally was pretty effective. But you'd have to have some, something to stand up for, you know. 
and something to defend. If you have, if you don't have any of those qualities, then you truly are a mercenary. You don't care. You're doing it for a paycheck. And when you, when you kill your own people by or, or under orders or, or kill other folk, that's, that's all you're really doing. And if you accept that, then who will be sent to eventually eliminate you? Probably your own side again when your purpose is over. And when you look at the state of the U.S., in the 10 years, at least from, I'll just take from the 10 years as an example, from Desert Storm to the invasion of Afghanistan and Iraq, you know, to the present. You're, you're talking about 30 years here, war. And all of the articles to do with altering the military by using them more frequent, you know, for more and more missions and so on, more and more tours of duty. And to try to keep them in for years instead of retraining and retraining new groups all the time. Also the hardcore there. And then giving more uh, credence to the establishment of special operations forces, small small combat units and send across the world to do the dirty jobs and wet jobs and so on. But also for, for your, your basic army, just keep them drugged. They had lots of articles and science magazines and military magazines about the, the, the new soldier, the pharmaceutical soldier, the drugged soldier, leading to the super soldier idea, you know, keeping you awake for, for days and days and days at a time by special, you know, amphetamines as an example. And also the, the, the flatteners, as they call them, the emotional flattener drugs, which were all basically related to the diazepam family, you know. And derivatives of, of that type of drug, which can be physically addictive to an extent. If you stop them dead after a while, you, have, you will have convulsions and tremors and panic attacks and so on. As your body starts to try to readjust and, and put its own endorphins in there instead, it takes a long time for that to happen. The body is awfully good at, at accepting drugs, synthetic types that mimic natural chemicals in the body and hormones and so on. But the synthetic drugs, if they take over, your body will, your, will just shut off your own production. And there's a good balance. There's a good term, actually, a chemical balance, you see, because they're all interrelated, all the different chemicals. And we think artificial ones, it's not the same. So we'll throw lots of things off within your system. Much like opium, certain minerals and vitamins will get leached out because of the drug, and so you become deficient in certain other things, too. same as alcohol. With alcohol, you lose lots of vitamin B complex and 12 and so on, uh, as it flushes out in the, in the urine, eh? in larger quantities. And then and many other things uh, happen because of it, too. It's a raw drug, I call it a raw drug, because it literally fries and errors, literally, you know, pretty well. And kills brain cells pretty quickly too. But it's raw and, and damaging. But the, the modern drugs that the military are on by prescription are, it's a, what an amazing cocktail. And they've always had articles breaking out in the military magazines about these cocktails that they're on now. Now they're keeping them in two, and with tour after tour for years at a time sometimes, some of these tours. They get to break them up, but they're in the military for years, you see. And even when they, when they come back and leave, they're, uh, 
kept on this drug, this heavy drug state, and they're prescribed them like candy by the doctors, even on the basis. They've had articles recently again about that in the US and Canada and other countries. There's no questions asked about them. Keep them drugs, keep, keep their emotional response flat. And that's what these drugs do to you. They flatten responses. It's like a great delayer, you know, uh, until they don't even bother you to an extent. That's the idea behind it, you see. Uh, whatever you've done in action, and these wars are not pretty wars. They, they don't do, who's talking about the, the, you know, the rules of war here? I noticed that they, they, they arrested some Australian special forces recently because they went on a killing spree. Uh, they, were, they were new to the, to the game of, of being bloodied and all that. And they did what they always always do, is to kill a few. And and they, they have, But today, of course, everything's monitored in camera, and they talked about it. And, and they, they, they were just the peasants in the fields who went after, and sure, kill him too, and pop, 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 and that's it. Because that's what they're trained to do. They, they don't train them to be social workers. And if they had done a lot of it, you know, even within a week or two or even a few weeks, they'd be on the drugs to flatten their emotions, you see, so they don't think back on it. And once they came out of the military, they're kept on these drugs as much as possible. That's where they're wrecks. A lot of them end up on the streets, these guys. Because little, little bits creep back into them. Then you try, you say, well, who am I? What am I? <laughs> did I do that, you know? Why did I do that? And then, of course, with the, with the drug cocktail, they're on, they, they lose their control at times, get a few drinks on them, and the interaction in their liver, with the battle between the different sugars and so on, and the, and the alcohol, and with their liver and metabolism, and battling the drugs that they're on, uh, they have total blackouts, complete blackouts, because they don't know what they're doing at times. You know? And this is all authorized from the top, and has been for years and years. I can remember quite a few years back, there was ex-U.S. servicemen that would call me, different ones. And one of them had got a job, and he'd been all the, on all the drugs and so on too. Eh? And eventually he had his back broken and had cracked some vertebrae and so on. And it put in traction and it kind of semi-healed and extended and then discharged. And, and then when he went to get compensation for it, when it, when it what will happen when you're younger, your, your body can compensate to a great extent with the damage that's been inflicted even from childhood in fact you won't really notice it till, till you maybe hit 30 or 35 or 40 and then the problems start to same, same with accidents or, or damage in the military so eventually he, he, he tried to get compensation and they said oh it probably wasn't due to what happened when you were in the military even though his back had been broken he was in traction and he ended up, this guy, you know, on a minimal pittance, getting paid cash, a few bucks a week, just for being a night watchman in an, ex, an old ex-gold mine somewhere that they probably couldn't scrape much of a living out of, but he was putting... And, and he couldn't afford even the medication. He couldn't get the medication from the VA. And he had... Something similar you'd find with, with that, that reaction to some of these vaccinations, the thrombo, thrombocytopenic uh, purpura, purpura is where you see little pinpricks of blood under the skin. 
it'll happen in your brain in a different place, but he sort of under his skin. Because he lived on aspirin to try to kill the pains in his bones and joints. They'd been damaged, you know. And that's how you're treated. You're used and, and you're spat out, you see. They don't like folk who complain, by the way, afterwards. They really don't like that. It's bad for recruitment. Hmm? Actually saying it's bad for recruitment. So they don't want them even putting uniforms on to go into to different, like like um, Remembrance Day memorials and things like that. And, or any of these things at all is bad for, is bad for the outlook, the image. The image for military is young, healthy guys. You see, they don't want, or old, old, healthy guys. They don't want folk who are got arms and legs missing and so on. It's bad for publicity. Even though their job is to go over to other nations and, and blow the, the legs and arms off other people and maybe get it done themselves. It's a bit kind of crazy, but there you go. That's how it is. But yeah, it's, it's really sad to watch. The lineup with, and, and them admitting where they get most of the traditional recruits from the traditional families in the south of the states and whom they despise, Hollywood despises them too. But the, boy, do they use them. And as they're using them, the last ones, eh, for the last, for the last few wars, they're already trained the public to hate them. Openly, eh, from Congress. Oof. Yeah, I tell you, it's, it's a, it's a pity they would end. It's a, if, they would, if a lot of them stopped going immediately, they'd be shock, absolute shock, with all the plans that have been set and laid down. But there you go. You know, these are these are the again the fantasies you might have once in a while, and it's so true. Pretty well, everything that happens has power within the people, but you never get the people to to go come together on any major thing. Especially with the psychology and the war that's put upon them today to divide, conquer, divide, conquer, divide, conquer. You could bring the whole nation to a standstill very quickly on any topic. Any topic at all. But it won't happen. With uh, the guys who end up with the PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, then the best thing they can do themselves is to get off all the psychoactive medications they're on because they'll never be anywhere near normal whatever normal is until it's all out of their body that can take years actually to get it out I can remember many many moons ago the big war battles they had about Valium you see because Valium was such a it was handed out like little candies Maybe back in the 60s and 70s. I remember in Britain they had articles in the mainstream newspapers about, and magazines about uh, the Valium group of drugs, diazepam type, and then nitrazepams for sleeping and other kinds and so on. And also had a, another category very similar of, of the Librium type drugs, where they said that I think it was something like 40 or 50% of British housewives were already on Librium. I mean, the doctors were all prescribing. Because women would go to the doctors and have all these emotional problems at the time as they tried to balance families, because they still had families back then, and often work as well, you know. And it was just too much. You know, this, this whole superwoman idea was a Hollywood creation, not a reality. 
because you can't get run off your feet. You need time to, to relax and you need time to have to yourself and so on. And, and they came up with this myth that you could do it, do it, have it all. You could have it all, like super mum. And it wasn't working. So they just handed these drugs like candy to them. And of course, the doctors, doctors are notorious for knowing very little, <laughs> put it that way, about their own profession. Once they're qualified, that says money time, eh? And status, because I like the status too. And in fact, the first thing you're taught really is to, is how to make a patient uh, be subservient to your views and opinions. So you're the, you're the person, authority. And so, because you, you want them to do what you, what you, t- we tell them to do, you see. So that should have little courses on that, how to do little acting things, we have to act with other doctors and pretend you're one, you're a patient and all that, to try and get to, they used, them used to this, so you talk with authority and, cause they don't want patients saying, asking too many questions, they just want obedience. And then they, uh, they get what they want, they'll just get what they want, total compliance. The, the, the patients, they should be them in Britain, the flying doctors, cause if you went to see a doctor, with the National Health Service and the different clinics that they set up throughout the country. They, 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 you'd, you'd, often you wouldn't even get a seat, you know. You, you just walk into the little cubicle and, and they've got five, at the time, five different patients per, per, per sections of the area with cubicles. And uh, you, you, you're just in there and they, they come in with a notepad in their hand, a prescription pad. And, and you'd, you'd try it before you got it out. Your mouth what was wrong. They drink the prescription that was out. Uh, and of course, that, that's that, that's no that is not how you practice medicine. Of course, you know, because you need time to find out what's really, really wrong before you dish out any pill. But that, this is what it turns out to be. Cad is the same, by the way. And at least Ontario is. And. Um, and then the doctors are quite happy living with that, knowing they did a bad job of diagnosing and so on and didn't do a proper job. But they, but the money helps to compensate their conscience and they, they can live with that, you see. But the, the system, as I say, of, of uh, medicine is sorely lacking on, in real credibility when it comes down to what they're supposed to do and to what they actually really do do. Whereas but vaccine, and it's so true, the last few days that they're dead, they might get four hours, maybe, in an afternoon, they admit that, of uh, talking about vaccinations. Otherwise, they know nothing else. So they're dependent on the reps coming in around the surgeries from the drug companies to hand them out brochures, not bits of magazines, and, and free pills, samples, to try this and that and the other, you see. And they tend to believe what the pharmacologists tell them, you know, what the pharmaceutical industries tell them, oh, this is perfectly safe. And so back in the 60s and 70s, these tranquilizers were, they were, they were the cure-alls for all your problems, you see. Uh, because what they do is, again, delay the problem, you know. If there's if a problem in your mind and, you're, and you're, you're, you've got problems with anxiety, and sleeplessness and all the other things that go, well, these things aren't going to fix the problem. The way you fix the problem is to deal with the things that are causing the problem. It's always financial or, or again, not enough time or, or you're working three jobs trying to make ends meet, whatever it happens to be. That's what you've got to deal with. Taking pills, again, flattens your response until you won't care as much. But you're still, the problem's still going to be there. 
So regardless, that was the, the whole idea of pharmacology was here to help you, you see. Not to fleece you, but to help you. And so they turned out these tranquilizers like you wouldn't believe it. At one of the movies they made, um, it was Walter Matthew, it was in a comedy. It's an airport scene where somebody faints at the airport and this doctor examines the patient on the floor and says, does anybody here have uh, any Valium? And, and uh, about 50 of them all pull out the pills from their pockets instantly, you know. Because that's how, they're showing you that's really how, <laughs> how, how, uh, how it really was back in those days. But lots of folk had terrible problems naturally with it because it's far easier to take a pill and, and, and kind of dream through life postponing all the problems which build up just like just like compound interest on bank accounts does or loans does and and one day you're going to face it you know and, and you keep putting them off and off and off and I've known people who've done that who took pills and put things off for, for ages but then it comes crashing down and their, their answer eventually is to overdose on the pills inadvertently generally because even with all the pills, the problems become rather ominous and like mountains. Eh? And then you saw the same thing happening with the two-page exposés or promotions, actually, of that wonder drug that came out in the 90s. Remember, every magazine, every newspaper was praising, praising this stuff. And folk, again, don't say, wait a minute, these are paid, obviously. Why would they all be? Well, they're, yeah, they're all getting money. Sure they are. But the... This was the answer to humanity's problems, eh? And I think it was a Prozac, they called it. But we wouldn't have a problem ever again. This is what we'd all been looking for our entire lives. And again, it was promoted as totally harmless, and did it, did and did it. And it took years, just like Valium did, of, of people working with patients to come forward and say, wait a minute, you've got housewives here, Killing their own children and so on, just go crazy and boom, boom, boom. Until they had to put, realize that and put warnings on, on the labels of these medications that you might inadvertently have a, a complete psychotic blackout with the darn things and do some crazy stuff. And again, a lot of them were sold, other ones were sold as antidepressants and then the folk were taking them that increase in suicides with them. But the massive promotion at the time was, oh, this is the miracle drug. They would all been looking for this, you see. And with the Valium group, emergency departments had seen folk coming in and having physical convulsions. Often there are conscious, you know, actually a conscious convulsion at times. Where the patients are aware of what the heck's going on, and they begin through these rhythmic spasms, you see. And that was the, the, the drugs so dependent, you know, the systems, your body becomes so dependent on them. The ones that are they're lacking, as I say, all the stacks of other chemicals in your body have been switched off because and they don't just suddenly switch back on. And you would have these physical symptoms for a while. But that's rampant through the military. Rampant, eh? And, uh, there's consequences to, to all of this. There's consequences to your actions as well. Because without what seems to be the obvious, visible things you're fighting for, I mean, when the, in other words, for the propaganda that you're fed, if you don't see it in action, the real propaganda, well, they told me it was going to be this and that and the whole thing. And these folk aren't as bad as they make out to be. So without all of that, you see, 
and you're still killing them. Once there's a conflict in your mind, that's you. And it's drug time. And, you'll, and yeah, they can keep you going for tour after tour after tour doing that kind of thing if they want to. And then it's your problem later on. It is your problem. Who else is it? It's you taking the drugs to flatten your, your emotions. Yet they knew, those who ran the military, or used the military, and had the agendas, they're the Kissinger types and Brzezinski types. Eh? They knew a long time ago that as they ran out of good propaganda, when things weren't so self-evident, you know, it's easy to get the folk to go off and fight if it's self-evident that someone really is got it in for you. And um, it's not so, so difficult, more so difficult to go off and fight with them. But once you run out of the good propaganda, you see, and things are very different in what you're observing yourself on the spot or in the field, then it's difficult to keep all these things going without the drugs. So they knew that. And they knew that when they run out eventually of, of because they knew eventually as they spread um, the wars and the campaigns, and, to, and like, like the whole back the Desert Storm idea, that was to expand and expand and take out all those countries on that list that the PNAC group had put out in the 1990s, including Syria and so on. They all had to be taken out, starting with Iraq. When they ran out of good propaganda, then they got to drug the troops to keep them going. Because what you're witnessing isn't what you've been propagandized with. <laughs> And so you'll suffer personally, you see. So the, as much as I say, it's much easier when you've, when you've really got it's some pretense of the just war, which was the whole thing behind the PNAC propaganda, the, the white hats and the, the, the dark black hats, the western hats, you know. That's how simple it was meant to be in propaganda. I've also seen the incredible fallout the blowback from these wars, which is mass migration, which was all planned, by the way, like the chessboard, we'll do this. That will also cause mass migration into Europe, which further destroys the cultures, naturally, of those nations, which was deliberate and planned and written about during and after up to the present time. And now they want to finish it off completely by finishing off a few of the other nations that are still on the list. As America's going down the tubes at home. Hard to get the troops to be so enthusiastic when you're, you're watching your, your own country being demolished behind you. Again, it's all brought into consideration. And so they'll get even heavier and heavier drugs, you see, uh, as we go through the last of these uh, wars before you're collapsed. So sorry to prattle on so much about the... Uh, the effects on the military, but it's very important to realize how people are used and abused. And the same technique is used in all other sections of civilian society as well. Uh, this is a system, a very intensive system, with every segment of society completely catered to as for control purposes, to be used and controlled at the same time. And even eventually eliminated in different forms or ways or another elimination. You know. And that's how it's designed. So remember that whenever you see the, them starting off again to resume the same wars that were put in pause for a while, uh, against Syria and other countries, then again they're all back on track now and that Biden's in, the front man. 
And that's all these people are, front people, playing their parts, you know. I mean, Trump himself, I think, just played his part, to be honest with you. That's my opinion. And uh, the, the effect of it all was to, again, demonize a segment of society, which has to be eventually um, disenfranchised, to say the very least of it, uh, when all this is over and their function and their war-like abilities are to be used in wars, anyway, are, are over and done with. Uh, they've only got a few wars to fight now. So they should think of that as their own countries is, is under attack from their own... <laughs> whoever really runs them, eh? the system of way above politics, the thing that really runs their nation is attacking them all. And they're supposed to go off and fight for a lot of nonsense in other countries for an agenda which is never disclosed to the public. Never. The truth of it is never disclosed to you. And that's the system. And it's worthwhile talking about once in a while. Because wars are serious business, and people who do plan and draft up a whole list of wars many years ago, and who are still there running things quietly, with all parties, they have no problems with with all the different parties, they're all fronts. Then remember too, if they're planning the wars that they do, what they've got planned for home when all of this is over. I really mean this. You better start wising up here to what really runs your nations. Eh? And also, I'd like to mention here before I go on to the next thing, cutting3matrix.com once again. Eh? Send a few bucks my way and you go into the website at cutting3matrix.com to see how to do it and help me take along because, as I say, I'm not backed by any group behind me. And I'm as sad to say, I, I keep saying this, and folk won't wise up to it, understand this too, but a good chunk of what you see there that's put out to be popular is actually part of you know, intelligence agency front groups set out there to do it. Just like the color revolutions use them across the world and have been doing it for many, many years, they do the same thing at home as well. And it's up to you, you know. If you can discern or not discern, but there are telltale signs quite often you'll see. It's pretty bad now, as I say, because the net's put over on its course for getting anything really said to the public at all that was of any consequence or usefulness, because now it's kind of like a menagerie, deliberately so, almost like a, a National Enquirer type tabloid system where it, it, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's deliberately put out that to be kind of, kind of crazy, uh, and, and almost schizophrenic at times. It had to eventually get to that. But you'd be, you find there's so many of them are put out there, just like the cyber warriors are put out there. They've got lots of the operators out there doing all kinds of blogs and so on. sometimes 10 minute things, five minute things, sometimes a half hour, an hour or more. And that's how well orchestrated everything is today. The, the folk who run the world don't sit for th- and wait for things to happen. They plan ahead uh, of every move that they'd give to you and to make sure that they always have dominance over everything. Full spectrum dominance, folks. Also means, you know, create an environment of counter intelligence, you know. By adapting to your intelligence and what you're putting out as intelligence, news and facts, and countering it by adopting intelligence and encountering it through other, through other techniques of, of ridiculing it, in fact, 
which ends up ridiculing the facts that others are actually putting out there. That's, it's, it's an old technique. Works very well. Very easy to do too, really, if you're well funded. You know. So use your common sense. As used to say, and, and uh, I actually like the slang in, in London, you know, that you use your noodle, you know. And there are different terms for, for your head and bread and all that. Little rhymes to say their things. So anyway, I'll get on to some topics now in a, in a second. But yeah, send a few bucks my way and hopefully I'll, I can keep ticking along because I say I've no axe to grind here. I don't force people to go off and do crazy things. And I wouldn't dream of that. Uh, anybody who does is using you. Anybody who just uses your emotions to get you so upset that you want to do something really nasty, you can pretty well count on it as being part of the intelligence agency behind it. Uh, that's a typical technique that they use. It's generally always emotional, or they bring into this thing about kids all the time. It's a favorite one they've been using. I don't say this doesn't happen with abuse on children and so on. But there's enough children go missing all the time. We know that. And yes, there's lots of perils in the world, but uh, there's also a massive push to always to, to distract folk who are trying to change the system for other reasons, you know, for what they see as obvious reasons, uh, who divert, get diverted off into this tact over and over again. I've watched it for many years, and it becomes ridiculous eventually. That's intentional as well. And folk do crazy things then as well. It's all emotive, you see. Emotion overrides your sensibilities. And that's when you start to get programmed to do stupid things, to ridicule others <laughs> in the process. It's kind of like um, the alien thing. It was a good thing as well. Uh, now aliens, again, also belong to the realms of fiction, like science fiction. I'll give you an example, an analogy here to do with. I mean, I, mean, I can remember when the movement, this movement, went off into child sex and paedophilia years ago until it became a mantra with them, until they, they didn't notice everything else that was happening. <laughs> you know, look at this hand, but don't look at this, this hand over here. That's very, very busy. And, and we saw this you know, over and over again, this technique being used. And another technique was used again in Britain, where they diverted it off into, a, 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 I think it was a Down syndrome girl. And the allegation was that the, the, police, the police they were using her as like a sex toy or sex kitten or something. And, and it, it got so bizarre and ridiculous, I thought, what on earth is this? What is this? Why do they keep pushing this thing? When you're, you're losing your sovereignty, you've got mass migration coming in. You've lost your rights and your privacy, etc., etc. But this will go off to this one person that they say is being abused. Like, like, and you got to, until you believe, if they believe that the entire, like the entire police of a nation want to have sex with this girl, what, 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 just what it's, it's madness, nonsense. Yeah. These are psyops, these things. They have to be psyops. What else could they be, for goodness sakes? It's, it's like that, that movie, it's a good movie, you know. That Whitley Strieber put out years ago called Communion. And he was a second writer and he did sci-fi and he put Communion out and it, and it was promoted as the truth you see that happened to him. This is how it promoted it, which is a good shtick if you want to sell lots of books and get movies made. 
The movie did come out, didn't it? Again, everybody rushed to see it. Oh my God, this guy got visited by aliens. And, and they had the greys in there and the little squat bluish ones as well that they would come in and carry out your room. They'd, they'd stun you with this little kind of stick on your head, your forehead and stun you and, and, and carry you off to be examined into a spaceship. I don't know why they take you to a spaceship to examine, but that's what they did. And, and that's what promoted that something that's never ended that was, uh, the anal probes and everything, you know. Everybody said, oh God, oh no. And then away they'd go, these aliens. Just, then it would happen to him again, maybe two or three times. Do you realize what he's telling you here? Huh? The aliens that be so advanced came from light years away, millions of miles, to look in his you know what. And they were so astonished at what they found, they came back a second and a third time, right? That really is, it makes you unique, I guess. Huh? But this is the same kind of thing as the stuff they can put out there too, with, to make you think that everybody's, everybody just wants to have sex with children. It's just crazy, it's crazy. That's where it belongs in fantasy land. There's no doubt about it that you'll definitely have these rings of pedos that come out once in a while. You find them in real cases, no doubt about it. But, this, but the way you're carefully through counterintelligence diverted off into that topic over and over and over when you're losing your shirts for goodness sake and you're looking towards a very, a very shortly the inability even to get food for yourselves that's coming down very quickly that's the plan for austerity too and in rationing a complete wartime scenario folks has to be used to bring in a new system and I got you diverted off into La La Land. Huh? Huh? <laughs> and folk keep falling for it over and over and over again. The one thing you, you, you will always find is doing your own study and research, just regular books out there, is how, just how basically corrupt this system is. That's all you have to really know. Totally corrupt. Completely corrupt. And in a system, we've already been taught, we've been taught that life is cheap now. That's, that's part of the training you're getting now through the COVID exercise, through the bioethics committees. Life is cheaper. We've got to decide who to give the treatments to, who, because we can't just give it to everybody, you know, to make them pull through this, etc. We have ration care. See, you're getting taught that life is cheap and you've got, and you've got folk who have, who are higher priorities than you, you know. Their social credit systems and all the rest of it. I've got articles about even that tonight. But this is what you're living through. You've been trained into a new system that was discussed in the 1920s and 30s and Brave New World had it in it, you know. The end of life, yeah. That they've decided, why, why pull you through? But they, they, they might have to ration that medication for folk who are younger or or more, more a chance of living longer than you will anyway. Well, you might live in there 10, 15 years. I'd say it's pretty decent, you know. Well, so why not give it to you? Well, no, we can't do that, you see. We're deciding you've lived long enough. And we don't really need you. I mean, do you have any real social standing, any purpose right now? Are you on any higher committees to serve humanity? And, you know, this is how they put this rubbish across. And that's what you're living through. You're getting taught, and you're, you're accepting it. You're all accept. Well, you know, like, uh, suddenly old folk are like a separate species. You know, 
you're all going to get there, folks, and you'll think the same thing, way that you that you thought when you're 20 or 30. Your brain's still functioning. You're still you. You're not decrepit. It's really sad, isn't it? That they can create so many divisions in society that you go along with it without even realizing you're being trained. <laughs> And to see things the way that they want they want you to see it. Until you'll say to yourself one day, Oh, you know, there may be a, oh, I've hit that age, maybe it's time for me to go. <laughs> I'm taking up the other person's resources there. Hmm. You're all getting trained. All and folk don't know it, eh? Anyway, before I get on to it, I just want to mention too that it's nice to see the nature as always nature it's never cooperated with the climate change uh, plan that they had to bring in austerity COVID is a, COVID's better it's a wartime scenario it's a war against the virus oh, you see? and so they can ram it through much quicker as Mr. Schwab the, the, the slob Schwab said 